So over the years, I sporadically hit on different psalms. I try to do two or three a year. Um, hopefully we'll get that compiled someday. Maybe 20 years from now, we'll finally get to all the psalms. Um, but this morning, I want to hit on Psalm 44. Because when we come to the psalms, guys, this is where emotions meet truth. And that's one thing. Do any of you guys read psalms like on a daily basis? That's just part of your devotions. You maybe do one or two psalms every day. If you don't, I would encourage you to get in that discipline because there is something. We are emotional beings. Whether we like it or not, that's the way God has created us. And I so love the Psalms because it speaks to truth. <laughs> and to that truth, what should we do with our emotions? How do we bring these cares before the Lord? So this morning I want to deal with Psalm 44 in light of disappointments and also dealing with depression. Because okay? there's people we know, whether we uh, struggle or deal with depression ourselves, if you don't, you know someone who does, right? Okay, 30 to 40% of people struggle with depression at some point in their life, okay? Or anxiety is just a part of our society. It's crazy because if we're honest and we step back for a moment, are we not the most blessed people who have ever lived in history? I mean, look at all that we've been given, okay? We have it good, and yet we are the most anxious and depressed people group upon the planet today and in history. Do you guys know that we dole out twice as many drugs just here in the United States for depression or anxiety than the whole world combined? Twice over, guys. There's something wrong. And I know what's wrong. Do you guys know what's wrong? Yeah. We've rejected God. Okay. We even have powers that be today in our land that aren't religious, could care less about it, but that are actually talking about maybe we need to put God back into the equation in our society. Because what's going on is a mess. We're trying this, we're doing that, nothing's working, everything just keeps getting worse and worse. Or maybe religion will work. Okay? And we know religion doesn't work apart from God. <laughs> the answer is God. We can't keep suppressing the truth. We can't keep ignoring him. He is the answer. Okay, He is the solution to the problem, and we get to share him with this world. So this morning, guys, dealing with disappointments. So again, I mentioned the Psalms are really where emotions meet truth. So why do you do, or what do you do, uh, when you have disappointments, you know, when they hit you in life, what do you do when you are disappointed with God? When disappointments maybe sour our love for God. You know, maybe you didn't get that job. Maybe the college that you applied to rejected you. Maybe you lost a baby. We all love stories. We love the stories where, hey, I was sick. <laughs> I prayed to God, and he healed me. <laughs> I needed a job. I prayed, and God got me a job. My baby wasn't doing well. I was going to die. We prayed, and God healed. I wanted a spouse. I prayed, and the Lord brought me one. But what if your life sounds more like I was sick? I prayed, and God still hasn't healed me. 
What about I need a job? I've been praying for a job and I still don't have a job. They don't make Christian movies about that, do they? What we're about to read here is devastating to real people in real time. I want us to have that in mind as we look at Psalm 44 here. It's those who are dealing with funerals, widowhood, barrenness, job loss, sickness. So when we don't understand God's place, okay, or his pace like me, <laughs> um, our psalm of lament takes a downward spiral of disappointment when, with God himself. And this is where we find the sons of Korah this morning writing in this psalm. So let's look at five sections here. The first one, first three verses, we hear of God's faithfulness to others. Let's take a look at verse one. We have heard with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us the deeds you did in their days. In days of old, you drove out the nations with your hand, but them you planted. You afflicted the peoples and cast them out. For they did not gain possession of the land by their own sword, nor did their own arms save them. But it was your right hand, your arm, the light of your countenance, because you favored them. Sure, God, you've blessed others in the past, is what they're saying here. So I've heard what you have done for others, but also I've seen it in my own life. Which brings us to the next point. We remember God's faithfulness to us. Let's read on in verse 4. You are my God, O God. Command victories for Jacob. And through you, we will push down our enemies. Through your name, we will trample those who rise against us. For I will not trust in my bow, nor shall my sword save me. But you have saved us from our enemies and have put to shame those who have hated us. In God, we boast all day long and praise your name forever, Selah. So sure, you've blessed me in times past, but what about now? What about now? So not only have we heard what you've done for others and have seen it in my own life, but I don't see you doing those things today. And we feel, God, you've betrayed us. And that brings us to the third point. We feel God has betrayed us. Look at verse 9. But you have cast us off and put us to shame. And you do not go out with our armies. You make us turn back from our enemies and those who hate us have taken spoil for themselves. You have given us up like sheep intended for food. And you have scattered us among the nations. You sell your people for next to nothing. 
and are not enriched by selling them. You make us a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and a derision to those all around us. You make us a byword among the nations, a shaking of the head among the peoples. My dishonor is continually before me, and the shame of my face has covered me because of the voice of him who reproaches and reviles, because the enemy and the avenger. So in a fallen heart, feelings are betrayed, really can turn our tongue into a sword. I mean, look at the emphasis here. What has God done? That's the emphasis. Okay, it's his fault. Maybe in the circumstances you find yourself today, you look up and you feel God's just shrugging his shoulders. I don't know. Sorry you're going through it. Sorry. Who knows? But God, I've wasted three weeks on this. Maybe today you need to hear loud and clear. I own you. You're not your own, we're told in the scriptures. For you were bought with a price so Glorify God in your body. Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? Right? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Didn't we just study that? We need to live that truth. Grasp that reality because we are not our own if we're in Christ. Well... <laughs> Then I'll waste three months, three years, three decades of my life if that's what you want. Because I'm not my own. Moses, it was 80 years. No, it really wasn't a waste. 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in Midian. So not only have I heard what you've done in others, and I've seen it with my own life. But since I don't see you doing those things today, I feel you've betrayed us. And this causes us to feel self-righteous. Look at verse 17 here. All this has come upon us. But we have not forgotten you, nor have we dealt falsely with your covenant. Our heart has not turned back nor have our steps departed from your way, but you have severely broken us in the place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death. If we are forgotten, or if we've forgotten the name of our God or stretched out our hand to foreign God, would not God search this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart, yet for your sake we are killed all day long we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. So verse 17 here, guys, is the most mistaken, messed up verse in all of the Old Testament. Would you guys agree with me? Okay. We have been faithful, but you, God, have been unfaithful. Do you guys know how backwards that is? But that's their complaint. 
a lot of us then start to think, here I am, laboring, investing time, investing my energy, investing tears, investing prayers, and we start thinking of ourself, recognizing that, hey, sure, I'm a sinner, <laughs> but I'm a pretty good person. <laughs> I'm doing a lot of these things others aren't. God, I'm trying hard, okay? This, <laughs> this mission, it's a hard place. God, I deserve your help. So not only, guys, have I heard what you've done for others, okay, and have seen it with my own eyes, but since I don't see you doing those things today, I feel that you, God, have betrayed us, and this causes us to feel self-righteous, but it also makes us to cry out in desperation. Look here in verse 23. Awake! Why do you sleep, O Lord? Arise, do not cast us off forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our affliction and our oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust and our body clings to the ground. Arise for our help and redeem us for your mercy's sake. So in verses 23 and 24 here, guys, God, you got to get out of bed. <laughs> you got to wake up. Splash some water on your face. Rise. Come. Redeem is their cry of desperation. So what could it mean for God to inspire a passage of the Bible that doesn't resolve or <laughs> really allow it to end in this way without answering them. Have you guys read this psalm before and you're like, yo, what's up? <laughs> you're just going to leave us hanging here? You see, God inspires the sons of Korah not only to feel these things, but to pen the very words to include these accusations against his faithfulness. So let's look at three things true about God things he's going to do, what he has done, what he does, okay? And really seeing the Psalms immediately surrounding this Psalm, okay? If we look back to Psalm 42, verse 5, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall praise him, my salvation, and my God. Don't you guys love that verse? And there's times where we got to talk to ourselves, to our souls. Hey, buddy, <laughs> you hope in God. You know the truth. He is your Savior. He is the Redeemer. He does not slumber. He doesn't need to wake up. He is fully aware of what's going on. And he's at work and he's doing much whether you can see it or not. You see, I love it, guys. Because even the sons of Korah repeat this again in verse 11. And then even in Psalm 43, verse 5, again. 
So this is a point surrounding Psalm 44 that God wants us to get and grab a hold of. So Psalm 42 and 43, in summary, the world is broken, my soul is shaken, but hope in God. Yeah, that sounds good, because I need hope. And hope in God, that's the only sure hope there really is in this life. So then Psalm 44 then, guys, the summary is the world's broken, my soul is shaken, but the application is different, isn't it? It's rise up, O God. So then we have Psalm 45. The king will rise. The king will rule. So rest in God. I love the context. I love how these chapters, these psalms come together and fit together so beautifully. So who is the king? I'm glad you guys asked. I'm going to read to you Hebrews chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, where it's, it quotes from Psalm 45, verses 6 and 7. But to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with oil of gladness more than your companions. Guys, it's Jesus. Do you guys get this? This psalm is talking about Jesus whose throne is forever and forever and ever. Do you guys get that? So in Psalm 44, was it not Jesus who was the servant who was rejected in verse 9? Is it not Jesus who was disgraced in verse 9? Was it not Jesus who was made like a sheep for the slaughter in verse 11? Was it not Jesus who was sold for a trifle in verse 12? Was it not Jesus who had shame covering his face in verse 15? And this Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He was buried in the grave, and he rose again. Did this not in order to redeem? He did all of this in order to redeem us, guys. Redeem us with his covenant, steadfast love. Think on that. How can we ever say, God, you are not faithful? Where are you? Wake up. Man, look to the cross. Remember his covenant of steadfast love for you and I. And what does this do? <laughs> okay, what do we do with this? Well, there's three applications that I want to conclude with this morning. First one, you guys can write this down. God recognizes that disappointment is a part of relationship. Can I say that again? Disappointment is a part of relationship. How many people have disappointed us? Or have we disappointed? That's just part of relationship. Well, Pastor, my relationship with God's different than with you or anybody else I've known. <laughs> God's special. He is. But again, look at Psalm 44. It really is an affirmation that he knows how we feel. 
Okay? Because sometimes it's hard. Well, how can I bring any accusation against God? How could I have any disappointments towards the Lord? That's not even right. How could I even think that? But I'm thankful that the Psalms are very real. Emotionally, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. And they deal with that. You guys can jot down Isaiah 55, verse 9. I'm going to read it for you guys. It says, For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, declares the Lord. Do you guys know that his ways are so far beyond ours? You know, sometimes we can see things shaking out and like, whoa, that's pretty cool. I would have never saw it done that way. And that way was way better. <laughs> that's because it's God. Okay? His ways are higher than our ways. So this is not only an accurate statement that the Lord gave to Isaiah about himself. It's really a sympathetic statement, isn't it? He knows that we're in relationship with someone, right? That we cannot understand his wisdom and his ways and the complexity about all that he is and all that he's about, okay? Disappointment is to be expected in every relationship where at least one sinner is involved, okay? Did you guys know that if you married the perfect spouse, you'd still have a problem with them. You would still have a problem. Why? Well, God's perfect, right? He is holy. And often we have problems in our relationship with him. He disappoints us. So what's the application? What do we do then? We cry out to God. That's what we do. And we cry out to God in desperation. So no matter how strong our disappointment may be, it is no license to accuse God of wrongdoing. He's right all the time. Do you guys know that? Even in the hard stuff, the disappointments, the hardships, the trials, he's right. So to accuse him of wrongdoing or to rebel against God in sin... There's no place for that, guys. So I urge you to fight the impulse for your flesh. Okay? And don't sin to punish God. Thinking that, hey, <laughs> you're punishing a you know, God who is holy. It's only actually driving a bigger wedge between you and him. That's all that comes from that. So we notice, guys, with the sons of Korah here, that they are still crying out to God. Even in the midst of disappointment, in the face, you know, they're still facing God. Okay, They're looking to him, crying out to him. Second thing I want to conclude with here is he reminds us of his loving rescue. Isn't that cool? Someone here this morning needs to be reminded of God's love for you rescuing love look at verse 26 steadfast love has said in the hebrew h-e-s-e-d very cool unique hebrew word because it speaks of a loyal love it speaks to a covenant love 
and send not, you know, <laughs> you know, this say a little dinghy or a half-blown rubber raft or a pair of you guys know those little toddler floaters that you put on to stay afloat you know barely keeping your nose above the water right but this guy's this steadfast love is more like hey send the coast guard you know your ultimate offshore patrol cutter rescue ship because the messiah guys is going to save us that's the point Jesus is able to save us. Yes, you've been given little mini rescues, but what we desperately need is the Messiah. That's what we need in disappointments. It is Jesus. Which brings me to the last point here this morning, guys. God restores our joy to speak of his love. Let me say that again. God restores our joy to speak of his love. God's steadfast covenant love is the fuel that leads him to make a covenant with sinful people to rescue them and to keep them in spite of their sin. It doesn't make sense because you and I are not like that. But God is perfect in love. And he keeps this steadfast covenant love towards his people. And it's the love that the sons of Korah appeal. Do you guys see that? Isn't that the coolest part of this psalm? That's what they're appealing to. And brother and sister, if you're dealing with depression, dealing with disappointments today, appeal to that steadfast love of our God. I want to read the last verse of Psalm 45. Flip over a page. Psalm 45, last verse. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, nations will praise you forever and ever. So disappointment, guys, <laughs> wrapping this up here, never respects the moment. Disappointments never respect the moment. Disappointments never say, I'm sorry. I didn't see you were dealing with these other things. I'll come back later. Wouldn't that be cool? But that's not how it works. Nope, disappointment charges in unannounced, with the worst of times, threatening to silence our mouths. So my challenge for us this morning, brothers and sisters, is do not wait for it to pass before you sing, before you choose to worship the king, or to share the good news, or to get on your knees and pray. Don't wait. Last night around the campfire, we were talking about how important it is for Christians to really worship the Lord. We sing. What strongholds are broken when we choose to look to Jesus and cry out to him and praise his name despite the storm? You see, real life is about real people 
with real disappointments who take those disappointments to the cross. And I feel really down. I feel discouraged. I feel defeated. Look to the cross. Because God demonstrated his love towards you when you were yet a sinner. He died for you. Wow. You love me, God. You love me. That trumps anything I'm going through right now. That's big picture. You have good in view. So let's cause his name to be remembered. It's part of what we do here as we gather together. We remember Jesus. We look to him proclaiming God's faithfulness even when we don't feel it, you know, which is not fake, it's faith. You guys understand how important faith is. I don't see it, God. You have to have faith. I can trust you. You are good. Your love is steadfast. It's unshakable. That is never going to change. You are my Savior. And it's saying you are worthy. <laughs> you are worthy, even when I don't understand. Because I'm finite, I don't have all understanding. I have blind spots. I can't see the big picture. You're still worthy. And I trust you. <laughs> I trust you more than I trust myself. Amen? I trust you. So what's the secret? I promised some secret sauce this morning. That's what I want to conclude with. Let's flip over to Philippians chapter 4. And as we flip there, could I have a couple guys come up? Because I'd like to conclude our time in partaking of the Lord's table. If a couple men would come up and start handing out the communion elements, that would be much appreciated. So Paul, guys, in chapter 4 of Philippians, verses 11, 12, and 13, serves up some secret sauce, okay? And how many of us like some secret sauce? I sure do, right? You guys ever have something really yummy, and you're like, what is that secret sauce? Because I've had chicken before, but whatever sauce is on, this is good, do you guys know that God has goods for us as his people? And this passage of scripture, I think, is one of the biggest secrets to the Christian life that we often uh, <laughs> have misunderstood or just don't want to deal with. All right, let's take a look together at verse 11 of Philippians 4. This is Paul serving up some secret sauce. He says, I have learned. How many of us are still learning? Yeah. Right? Yeah. We're, we're lear I feel like I'm learning more today than I ever have in my life. You guys ever feel like that? It's just like, wow, I think I, I got it. I, I'm, I'm getting it. Okay? And he's like, no, nope. <laughs> there's more. Okay? And that's one of these things that we see here. You know, Paul, this is something he's learned, and he's learned how to put into practice. He says, I have learned to what? To be content with whatever I have, okay? How many of us would be done with disappointments or many of our disappointments if we were just content with what we have? Think about that for a second. 
I've learned to be content. Thank you, brother. With what I have. And then he goes on in verse 12 to say, hey, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. And we all know verse 13, and before we read verse 13, remember the context of what Paul has just declared here about contentment. Because when we have learned contentment, we can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You guys understand? We can do all things. In the context is living a content life. And I think, I know at least for myself, when I'm disappointed, oftentimes, guys, it's because I'm not content. I want to see something else, something more. Does God have something else, something more? Probably, it just might not be his time. There may be something because of his steadfast love towards us as his kids, he's going to allow seasons of disappointment and hardship, maybe even depression, to form us and to grow us. Many of you guys are newer to the church family here. I deal with depression and anxiety. I had a really bad season, years, really bad. I don't regret it. I would wish it upon nobody. It's horrible. It's hard. It comes back once in a while, but doesn't stick around too long, which I'm very thankful for. But it reminds me. It reminds me to remember the Lord. It reminds me that the truth of who my God, my Savior is, isn't dependent upon how I feel and what circumstances are coming my way. That even when I'm feeling down, I still have a solid foundation to stand upon. I still have a reason to get out of bed and do what God's asked me to do. So I want to encourage you guys. Allow God to teach you whatever you face. You guys have done enough life to know maybe things are going well right now. That doesn't mean things are going to be well next week. We never know what life's going to throw us. But we know our God. We know his steadfast love. And we can trust him. We can cling to his promises. And we can live his promises. So I want to encourage you guys. Closing thought before we partake together. Is have you been saved by the Messiah? That's all that really matters. Oh, because when you are saved, when you finally repent and put your faith in Jesus, that is the key. He is the source. He is the contentment that our heart longs for. It's all in him. And that's what makes us happy, guys. That is the source to life. Because Jesus came to give life and life abundantly. Amen? So let's look to him. Okay? My promise to you, 
You guys can kick me in the butt if I don't. <laughs> I'm going to keep preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. Even from a psalm, because it's about him. Disappointments in life, it's about him. It's always about him. Amen? Amen. So as we reflect and remember, let's conclude our time together coming before the Lord's table, in which the Lord, what he declared was he was there in the upper room with the guys before he was about to go to the cross and you know, demonstrate his love. He's like, hey, I'm about to do something. And it has to be done. I know you guys aren't going to like it, but it has to be done. Because none of you guys could do it. None of you could save yourselves. Okay? We've all fallen. But I've done it. I've fulfilled the law. I've lived that perfect life. I can be that perfect sacrifice that can take away sin for all time. Isn't that pretty cool? So as we partake of the bread, he says, remember my life. And then we partake of the cup, remember my death. My blood's going to be shed. And through that, there's going to be a new covenant. You can be forgiven of your sins. You can have life. Not just life, eternal life. And that's what brings us joy, guys, and happiness. Sometimes in the disappointments, this stinks right now. But praise God, this life's a vapor. And I have eternity set before me. What a God. He is so good. So, Father, as we have opportunity this morning to reflect upon your word, and now as a church family here, partaking in this uh, common faith of ours, remembering your life, remembering the crucifixion, the blood you shed, we are grateful. We are so thankful, Lord, that uh, you were not inactive. You just didn't passively watch, but you stepped into our mess, into this fallen world to do what none of us could do. We are most grateful for that, Father. Thank you for how you love. Thank you that you've forgiven our sins. We thank you, Lord, that you overcame hell, death, God, that you rose from the dead that you are on the throne today. We thank you that your ways are higher than ours, that you're much wiser than we are. God, we trust you. We thank you. Let's partake together, guys. So I concluded with the question, have you been saved by the Messiah? I sure hope so. If you've not put your faith in Christ, I would love to talk with you. But something I've found, I don't know about you guys, I feel like I need saving all the time. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like We know Jesus. And it's just like, I need saving today. I need saving now. <laughs> 
He's there. He is there for you. Know that. Live in that reality. Keep looking to him. And for you guys who are struggling, maybe you're in a season of disappointment or disappointments, okay? We're family here. Let's bear one another's burdens. Let's be praying for one another. You know, I so appreciate prayers, God. And I pray that, you know, I pray for you guys. And I just want to encourage us, you know, let's do life together. Let's keep pointing each other to Jesus because he is the key. So if you guys would cl- or <clears throat> stand in closing here. I was hanging at a midweek Lutheran service with Ozzy on Wednesday, and, and I love the priestly blessing that is often given at the end of services. And I want to declare that over you guys this morning. The Lord would bless you guys and keep you, that the Lord would make his face shine upon each and every one of you, and that he would be gracious to you all and that the Lord will lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen? Amen. Amen.